Good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Talk podcast is sponsored by FTF Magazine. FTF Magazine can be found at ftfgeocacher.com and by IB Geocaching Supplies. The best site for geocoins, cache containers, and much more can be found at ibgeocaching.com and by Cashly. Cashly is the foremost geocaching app and can be found at cashly.com. Please make sure and let these fine sponsors know that you appreciate their support of the show. Well, hey, everyone. It's time for Geocache Talk. Whether you're at work, in the car, wherever you are, we hope you enjoy the show. Please give it a like and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play so that you can hear the show on a weekly basis. Big thanks to the Travel Bugs for the music. My patrons, Doug Jones, Joshua and Caleb Slinkard, Tom Brotherman. I saw him on the chat room, by the way. So, Tom, good to hear you. Good to see you there. Jeff Arbaugh. Deborah Burris, Joshua, the geocaching vlogger, Nick Hubbard, Andrew Tiepkin, Cecilia Perez, Sydney Sawyer, Valena Mahar, Jane Jewell, Memphis Mafia, Craig Michelle, the Geogear Heads, Zach Fick, the Deadliest Cachers, and they're up your way, Brett. They're up in New York. Um, we got several of them up there. Um, Tim Terrell, Neil Moore, Molly, the geocaching dog, Dee and David Vickery, geocaching Adam, Another one, Lori Post, Peter Stepanek, the NoCo Geocachers, and our new patrons, Paula Hughes, Ed Shaper, thank you, Ed, Tick Magnet, that's what he goes by, and John Langston, Brooker John. If you would like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash talk for more details. Patrons get path tags, coins, and other geocaching swag during the year, as well as invites to special events only. For patrons, support levels start at as little as you as three dollars a month. Ooh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, um, Jesse is uh, on vac- vacation on holiday, uh, and Sydney's having computer problems. So we're back to the good old geocache talk days of just me and a and the guest. And so um, we're just going to carry on, and Sydney may join us or may not if she can get her. Uh, computer fixed so but we'll just jump right into the show number 57 for sunday july 9th is a welcome brett rogers to the show welcome to geocache talk how are you good so uh so glad to have you on we've uh we've been kind of talking about this for a little bit we finally got us a a good time to have you on and to to discuss things so uh again so, so glad to have you on the show tonight thank you yeah no i'm happy to be here i think this will be fun yeah, um, you know it's funny. Oh, wait, hey. wait, we may have Sydney on. We, we're, 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 she's she's with possibility. And then there she is, as I welcome my co-host Sydney Sawyer. Hi. <laughs> I jumped backward. We already we kind of moved past that point, but that's oh, okay. Okay. We're glad to have you on because uh, you have found you have found at least the main geocache we're going to talk about tonight and That's possibly right. some of the others i don't know if you found the other ones but we'll talk about that here in a minute but uh yeah so i contacted brett actually um uh when i was doing um the book which i will again shamelessly plug the book 201 geocaches defined before you die found on amazon or behind sydney's head you can see it back there <laughs> she's got a copy of it um and i was going through and i was telling brett about this before before we, we started the show that, you know of how this kind of came about and as i was 
and that's what, one of the reasons I mentioned before too is why I really enjoyed doing this book because I just went on strictly whatever the lower Wilson score was I put it in the book so I wasn't like I didn't go off any bias and what was fascinating about doing that was that some of the caches that I had, I did not, you know, I, we all don't know all the caches in, in our, you know, in our state, let alone in the country. And so when I ran a, across uh, Brett's um, Bridges and Arches of Central Park, which we're going to talk about tonight, um, I was just f- so fascinated by this cache that I thought, I'm going to I'm going to send him a note. So I sent, I sent Brett a note, and that's when the process kind of began uh, of us talking about having, having, uh, having Brett on the show. So, um, again, uh, thanks for being on. And we're going to talk about this uh, cash in a minute, and it's in the book, by the way. There it is with, a, with the coin. And Sydney has the coin. We'll look at that in a minute, too. But Ooh, Oh, there it is. It no, no, keep it. Keep it. We're going to talk about – Okay. We're going to start with just geocaches in New York City because um, how do you geocache in New York City, Brett? Uh, carefully. It's, uh, it's, it's a little different. So I was uh, – my brother is, is, uh, lives in Alaska and Hawaii, and he introduced me to the game in, in most – places that are more Pacific Northwest or, or whatever, uh, the game is, is much more built around the outdoors and, and finding places that most other people aren't going to. But in New York, there's a million people going every place. So uh, caching here tends to be a lot more reliant on stealth. Um, it's a lot more muggle awareness. It's a lot more um, just being really careful that what you're doing isn't arousing suspicion. Um, you're almost always you know, in an area that's got a lot of other people around. So you just have to be cognizant of that mm-hmm. um and the hides and the fines um you know both i think are 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 sensitive to those issues so yeah um you know we're all we're i think most people that will listen listen to the show um at one point or time probably have geocached in some some size city um yeah. but of course nothing on the magnitude of new york city but I think that um, you know if you if you have any kind of experience as a, ge- you know, as a geocacher, and then for those that are new, this is good ex- information for you. But something that Susan and I will do is we just look like we're supposed to be there, or we're supposed to be we're supposed to be walking over to a strange lo- you know we're supposed to be looking under this park bench because that's what we do. We just look under park benches, you know, instead of kind of looking around like you're kind of trying to be too stealthy you know it's like whoa is somebody watching me it's like no you don't do that you just walk over and you just do it like you're supposed to be there (laughs) yeah i i do a lot of geocaching with my kids and uh kids are great for that because they they don't have any self-consciousness about what they're doing so i can just send them into an area and say i think it's you know from the hint and from the coordinates i think it's got to be you know, on that light pole somewhere and they'll just go, they'll just climb all over it. Like they, like they should be. And nobody gives them a second look. So they, they're sort of like my first, my first wave. Right. That's, that is, that's, that is perfect. You know, or in the case of Sydney, she has her dog with her, so she can kind of look like she's supposed to be, you know, supposed to be over yep. in this weird area. Mm-hmm. That definitely yeah. helps. Sometimes I found it uh, at like rest stops. Like if there's a cash way off at the end of the rest stop yeah. or on the highway or whatever, I just take my dog. I'm just walking my dog, you know, and yeah. then I, so it's always <laughs> helpful. Um, now, uh, for the most part, I think everyone or for us that don't do a lot of caching in big cities, um, my impression is that they're all nanos, but what what are what is the real experience uh brett of your experience of finding other caches in new york city so a, a lot of them are there's certainly going to be a higher ratio of nanos and bison tubes and sort of smaller caches there's you know magnetic hide keys and things like that and there's just going to be more of that the more urban your environment um it's just harder especially in a city like new york which you know is gets a little jumpy about mysterious packages and if you see something say something and um, and so everyone has an interest in kind of keeping those types of situations from getting misunderstood. Um, and the smaller the container in a place that's pretty urban, I think the less likely it is that you're going to, you're going to upset anyone. Right. Um, 
And so because of that, you know, in, in most, you know, the, the more city parts of the area, especially with a lot of people walking around, you're just going to see smaller things and that's fine. So there are a lot of nanos, there are a lot of bison tubes, there are a lot of matting keys. Um, Mm-hmm. When you get to the more parky parts, yeah. um, when you're when you're up at you know in Central Park, of course, and Inwood, and mm-hmm. and uh, any other the parks, it's you have more of an opportunity to hide some actual containers. Um, you're still not going to see anything that's as large as like you know an ammo can or you know those. Are, I mean, every once in a while, someone cleverly figures out a way to do it, but it's it's the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the containers, even if they're not micros are still on the smaller side so that they can still be more or less uh unobtrusive and and you know less likely to be found by accident and if found less likely to be uh, intimidating so we one of the things we try to do we try to um especially in new york we try to encourage uh containers that have uh like plastic containers that are clear so that if someone does come across it and they don't know what it is uh they can see that inside it's pencil erasers and notebooks it's Mm -hmm. not something that's mysterious a lot of really good caching containers um are things that are sort of you know military-ish use like ammo cans right true that's so, true mm-hmm. um and, and a lot of the a lot of the containers um that are in use are, are you know things that people pick up at like army navy supply stores and things like that and those just don't work as well here because if you do find it when you weren't looking for it um it, some of the labeling can be really alarming right encourage people to use containers that are going to not raise an alarm if people do stumble across it without looking for it. Right. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I mean, in, in our world today, I mean, that's, you know, kind of the, the norm now is to try to yeah, not, not raise alarm. So, um, well, let's take a moment and, um, let's look at, let me screen share here and we're going to kind of look at the map a little bit and Brett, if you could kind of walk us through, um, some of this, let me, so, um, I'm not sure where we want to start, but one thing, one thing about New York city, um, of course there's a lot of it, obviously, but, um, what are you laughing at Sydney? It's just <laughs> nothing. Continue. No. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. We're going to talk about every cache tonight on this. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> because like you said, there's there's so, uh, you know, we all sort of, when we think New York City, we think of like, you know. Uh, we, Manhattan. We all, yeah, we all kind of, yeah, exactly, Sydney. We all have this in our head as far as what it looks like. Whereas there's a lot of places that are, I mean, it, it's it's big. And so you've got a lot of different types of areas. So I guess, Brett, what I, what I want to kind of, without getting into too much specifics, but um, as far as um, parts of town or parts of the, of the different boroughs and the different, the different areas, um, do you find that, um, well, you've got, there's several places. That, I mean, you have a lot of parks. I mean, that's clearly... Clearly, we forget the, the, the number of, of parks that are in the area. I mean, here's this one's in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, these, I guess, you potentially could put bigger ones. But then again, you've got more people that are doing, they're not really going somewhere in, in the sense of, like, if you're over here on, say, 13th Street or whatever, usually people are getting somewhere you know versus if they're in the park they're sitting in the park and they're not they're they're kind of that's their destination so they're sitting there so it's kind of maybe harder to hide something here because like you said there's more people probably who are aware of their surroundings maybe is that yeah and and the thing is even even in a big park like this um you know that park like prospect park is a fantastic park it's a great great park um and it it services a lot of people there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in brooklyn who are you know that's the closest best kind of outdoor space available to them so mm-hmm. uh it's not as empty as you might sort of think it would be for a similar sized park somewhere else right like there's there tends to be people all around I, it, it's less dense than central park because central park has a lot of um tourists sure uh, that might not be coming to some of the parks in the other boroughs as often 
Mm -hmm. uh, but there's still a ton of people around. So, you know, we still, you can hide bigger things than you can in other parts of the city, but you're still probably going a little bit smaller than you would in, in, in other places. Right, right. Makes sense. Um, all right, let's go to another area. Um, so are there areas of town or city, I should say, town? <laughs> Not really a town, is it? Uh, is there parts parts of New York City that um, geocaching.com has said you're not hiding anything here? I don't care what you say. You're not hiding it there. Is that? Yeah, there are. So New York, obviously, there's, there's a lot of sensitivities, right? Um, mm -hmm. So and there's a lot of common sense things like, uh, you know, that, that are probably as applicable to New York as they are anywhere else. So mm -hmm. you know, not hiding caches outside of police stations and things right. like that, like not hiding caches on school grounds, not attaching things to federal mail, all that stuff that applies everywhere that certainly applies just as much, if not, if not more to New York. Um, sure. The UN mm -hmm. is in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely. Uh, there's kind of a black hole around where the UN is because I think for obvious reasons, that's not a place where we're trying to arouse too much suspicion. Right. Um, there is a section of Central Park that's actually been closed off to caching. Um, it was sort of a casualty of a, of a poorly thought out vacation cache from oh. way, way back when, uh, when vacation caches were still um, implicitly allowed. Okay. Um, and so Someone hit a cache in the Strawberry Fields section of the park, which is um, sort of near the Dakota uh, with right. John Lennon. And, oh. um, and they didn't maintain it very well. And then I think what happened was um, that section of the park got closed off for reseeding. Okay. And they put up a fence, um, but the cache was never disabled, which was probably because the people who placed it didn't live in New York. They had moved back to the West Coast. Oh, after. wow. Okay. So instead of disabling it or sort of staying on top of it, it was still listed as active. And, you know, as well as I do, like sometimes finders mm. are not so great about doing, you know, what they should. And so a lot of people were hopping the fence to go find the cash. Oh, and boy. Conservancy got really upset about it. And they said, you guys are done. You can never hide another cash in this section of the park again. Okay. Yeah. So I consider we feel very lucky that they didn't shut it down Central Park wide. Right. Um, the fact that they did this section and it was kind of a, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a warning shot. It was just, it was a communication to say like, you guys need to be a little bit more respectful of what we're trying to do here as a park. We know that you guys are here. Mm -hmm. We're not shutting you down, but, but, you know, help us out here a little bit. Like this, this park was closed and nobody shut the cash down. And now we have people trampling all over this fresh seated ground. Right. So since then we've all as a community tried to be, you know, respectful of keeping those options alive. Now you mentioned the New York Conservancy. Is I say That's that right? right? Center Park Conservancy. Do you, um, when you're going to place a cache in Central Park, other than getting permission from geocaching.com, do you, uh, it, there's a process that you go through as far as contacting them to let you know, let them know, hey, I want to put one in, in this spot, or what is the procedure that you would go through? For, for, most, of, for most of New York, it's a little bit, um, New York's New York as a city and the Parks Department is, I think, generally aware of geocaching. Mm -hmm. They don't have an official geocaching policy. And the way that we've handled things as a community is that um, when parks workers have come across caches that they consider to be a problem for some reason or another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, there was a time a year ago, there was a cache in the northern part of Central Park that was um, much larger than a typical cache. Up this, um, up this, this way. Up, yeah, up it was area. it was in this area. It's not listed anymore, but right. um, but it was a really big cache, okay. and um, and a, a park worker came across it, mm -hmm. recognized it as a geocache, and right. contacted geocaching.com and said, you know what, this one is this one's a little bit too much. Like we we we'd like to have this delisted. Right. Caching.com got in touch with the cache owner. The cache owner was on it right away. The thing was shut down within 24 hours, and we considered that a victory of you know just general communication, like. Sure. You know, it's kind of evidence that we can play nice with you. And, you know, if there's a problem, let us know. We'll take care of it. And it seems like everyone's gotten along pretty well as far as that goes. Very cool. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about really two caches tonight. Mostly we're going to talk about this one right here. Sure. Or at least um, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I think before we... 
before we talk about that one, since we're in the middle of just talking about geocaching in general in New York City, let's talk about this other one. And we'll we'll spend the bulk of the time on the, the multicache because I find it fascinating, uh, incredibly fascinating. But you mentioned this one. Yeah. Snug as a bug in, in Central Park, which I found an equally fascinating. Um, 480 favorites, which is fabulous. Um, but... The amount of times it's been found is probably it's probably gone up since let's see it was eleven thousand five hundred one. Let me refresh. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot. Nope. A lot of books. That's a lot. That's a lot. So eleven thousand five hundred one. Uh, we even talked about today. It was found what nine times? One, two, three, times, yeah. four, five. So uh, like he says, it's a pretty good day today. It was a pretty pretty good yeah, weather, weather in New York nice. City. Yeah, it wasn't too hot, and so. Uh, a lot of you people. Know, um, and I, I, we talked about how you've gone through and you've put the the the, the states and you put the countries that, that people have found this thing in. Yeah. And then it's like <clears throat> you can put, and then this one has travel bugs in it. So uh, it looks with, like it has more than it does. It, it typically has two or three at a time. I know um, those happen, but still, the fact that you could put a travel yeah. bug in it is pretty cool so tell us a little bit about snug as a bug in central park sure so um it was actually the first cache that we hid as a family so this was it was a while ago so we're 2007, talking seven yeah um and so my oldest daughter was six at the time and we had been geocaching together for a few months and we thought you know it's about we'd found maybe 70 or 80 caches and we thought it's about time for us to mm-hmm. to give something back and hide something so um there was a cache that was in about this general location in Central Park that had recently gotten disabled um, and then archived. And so we contacted geocaching.com to see if we could, you know, unarchive it and take it over. And they said, no, if, you know, if, if this is something you're interested in, um, you know, we'd much rather you hide some cache. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, okay, so great. So we, we came back out again to that area and I looked around with my six-year-old, she found a, a spot cash and we didn't really think too much of it it was just in location and it was in a part of the park it was easy for us to walk to it wasn't too far from her elementary school mm-hmm. and it you know over time as, as geocaching started growing like it got more, more and more finders and then when the iphone came out um it just kind of everything changed and all of a sudden it was getting multiple finds a day and we were really scrambling to keep up with like log books and things like that it's been it's been a, a useful cache. I think it was um, the numbers. I think are a weird convergence of a of a bunch of different things that lead to cache velocity. Right. Um, it's in a city that's visited by a lot of tourists, so that's that's a big part of it because a lot of people come to New York, and sometimes people want to check off that state on their map, so they find the cache. So so that's part of it. Like. The caches I find that seem to get the the highest velocity of finds tend to be in tourist cities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cache that uh, is big enough to hold a couple of travel bugs, um, and so if people have dis- if people have visited New York City and they want to drop one off, it's often the closest cache to them, you know, to their hotel, especially if they're staying in Midtown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Central Park, um, and so a lot of people figure that that would be the place to go for geocaching, and it kind of is. Like a lot of the a lot of the the bigger non nano non micro caches are in Central Park, so that kind of naturally draws people. Um, and and this wasn't something that was planned out, but we kind of figured it out later. Um, it's the furthest south, um, kind of regular sized or small container in the park. Okay, so if yeah. someone's staying in Midtown and they want to go drop off a travel bug, it's probably the closest one. Or if they just want to go find one cache, it's mm-hmm. also pretty close. And it's not hard. It's it's designed to be easy for kids. Um, so all those things kind of taken together wound up with this really weird mix of things that all point in the direction of a lot of finds in a short period of time. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, usually, I have to run out there every couple of months and replace the replace the logbook. <laughs> That's it. Do you have any like that, Sydney? You got to replace the logbook every. <laughs> Not that often, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. We definitely don't have any around here that get found that often, but it's pretty amazing. So, um, and I don't know if anybody's seen it or not. We we were talking about before the show about um, it was. Uh, 
it was Fall was it Jimmy Fallon, Brett or Kimmel? That was Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, right? And uh, Liev Shriver, um, the actor, did some geocaching in New York City, and he talked about it on uh, Kimmel. And so you can go see that if you go, you know, go to YouTube. Not now, do it later because we're on the show right now. But tonight or tomorrow, whatever, go find that interview. But I find it fascinating because, again, I'm fascinated by caching in New York City. But um, his you know, his discussion about it made me think about, um, you know, uh, about the, the whole process of, of uh, what people are doing and something like that, you know, an actor finding it. I wonder if, if we ever figured out if anybody of, of any kind of fame has found uh, <laughs> found that snug as a bug uh, cash. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that there are famous people geocaching that we just don't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they've got a name that is not, you know, Tom underscore Cruz, and they're, you know, right. they're out there finding stuff. Right. It's a so. pretty, pretty cool idea. So, you know, an interesting thought. But all right. Well, let's get into discussing um, the main cache tonight that we want to talk about. And this is the Bridges and Arches. And again, as I mentioned, it's in the book. Um, So, and then there it is. Starts on page 63 of the book. So there it is down there. Bridges and Arches. Um, And so, and Sydney, you've actually got the coin. And and you're going to tell us a little bit about your um wild experience doing this cash sure absolutely <laughs> um so i had wrangled this was before the dog so mm-hmm. I, I had wrangled my boyfriend into taking me to new york city for my birthday and um little did he know that this cash was going to be one of the ones that i wanted to do he had no idea what that entailed but um we so we got there and i think a friday afternoon Mm-hmm. And we started, you know, walking around the park looking for some of the bridges. And it took us until Sunday to finish the cache. So it took almost two days. Two days? I mean, come yeah. on. W- w- I mean, it's just it's just a cache. What's what's no, going no, no. on here? There's how many how many waypoints are in this cache, Brett? Thirty two. Thirty two waypoints. Th- wait, wait, wait. Thirty two. That's right. Everybody, wrap your head around that for a minute. It's a thirty two stage multi cache. That's right. And it's all in Central Park, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, it's all walking. It's a lot of walking. It's a lot of walking. In fact, I think I did like 12 miles in in maybe a day and a half during that weekend. That was was uh, that was Susan's question, uh, Brett. And well, you did it, Sydney. So do you guys think 12 miles is about accurate? If you were going to walk the whole thing, does that seem correct? Yeah, that's what I tell people. Like when people ask, I mm-hmm. say prepare for about a twelve mile walk. Okay. Now, if you want to cheat, in a sense, could you public transport part of it? I guess. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think. Not was... really. You can't. Okay. Darn. Okay. There's not like in Central Park. There's not like buses that drive around. I mean, you could like rent a bicycle, and that yeah. might help. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess right. People, people yeah. have, so the bicycle thing is tricky because some people have rented bikes, uh, but they've found that it, it hinders them uh, as often as it helps them because there are sections of the park where you can't take bikes. So it's a lot of time walking mm. the bike and then that's, that's not so efficient either. So. Right. Okay. All right. Keep going, Sydney. Sorry. Makes sense. So in essence, there's 32 bridges or arches that you have to find and they're all really cool, like different designs and architectures and stuff. And, um, Brett actually talks a little bit about each one on the cash page. So it was actually really interesting to go on there and, and read about, you know, all the different bridges that they have here and how they got there and when they were built and things like that. Um, but then each bridge kind of has some sort of number, obviously, that you're looking for. So that might be like, you know, there's a tag on the side of the bridge for something or other. So he has he points those out to you, and that's how you you, you find all these numbers, and then you do some math which I messed up when I was in New York and, uh, <laughs> and then you hopefully get the right answer, fingers crossed. And so it's a lot of walking, a lot of work. And, um, if, if you mix up a number, like I think I did, and then you get to the end and you're working on the math and yes, I finally found them all. And then you don't get the right answer. It's, oh no. 
So that was a little frustrating. Now, did did you end up finding it that trip, Sydney, or did you have to come back and do it? I did. I actually, I I believe I emailed Brett and I said, I, I have no idea which number I have wrong. Here's what I have. And he just said, Helped no, here's here's the one you got wrong. Here's the right <laughs> number. And so that was that was really helpful. Well, and then uh, we got God. it. That's awesome. Well, sh- show the coin real quick because there's a coin and uh, there it is. Very cool. Yes. Oh, I love it. That is awesome. Yeah. There it is. And it's got some of the bridges and arches on the back. It has a very cool coin. So so let's kind of get back to the beginning of this thing. Um, so, Brett, how did you even think about creating? What was the genesis of the bridges and arches of Central Park? Uh, so a lot of that came from, uh, so when my kids were younger, we spent a lot of time in the park. And when we started geocaching, you know, we definitely were doing a lot of that in the park. And uh, my kid's school is actually uh, right on Central Park West. So like across the street from Central Park. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, they did a lot of Central Park central centric, you know, sort of uh, things for their curriculum. Like they um, they spend an entire year studying the park and, you know, the the you know, the people who designed it and and what the you know, what's in the park and and et cetera. And so um, they go on, you know, walks with park rangers and they point out the different, you know, birds and animals and and plants and things like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so from those uh, conversations with my kids and their their curriculum, uh, you know, I sort of discovered this really, to me, fascinating fact about the park that that all these bridges and arches that I was sort of vaguely aware existed from movies and TV shows and things like that, that they're all intentionally distinctively different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought at the time, and, you know, I was, I was looking for some, you know, kind of puzzle cash type ideas. And I thought, you know, bringing people on a tour to go check all these things out would actually be kind of a, a pretty cool cash idea. Um, so, you know, I started just going on some, some, field trips on my own out to the park and just sort of like mapping things out. I bought some books. There's a few books that focus on the different bridges and things like that. So I, I kind of consumed everything I could and learned mm-hmm. what I could about the history of them. Right. And make them increasingly convinced that it would be kind of a fun idea for a cache. Uh, and then I started mapping it out and it, the whole thing from conception until we actually got it listed was, it was probably about six months from start to finish. Okay. Um, but I'm glad we took the time because I think it, I think it came out better than if we'd rushed it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, well, it's, it's on the list to earn one geocaches you got to find. And it, you know, uh, and the list is based on people, premium members giving it favorite points. And it's got 590 favorite points. Um, and it's been found, Hang on, let me get to the bottom of the page because you, your your cash description is awesome too. By the way, I know that's a had to take some effort to get all that. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. That's a good one. I probably put all that in there, but um, let's see. It has been found one thousand and seventy-seven times, which is incredible. Now, um, a lot of hours. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me uh, let me jump in. Let me read you a little bit about. Um, some of the things I found, and, and um, I think I'm right on all these because uh, we talked about this before the show, but <clears throat> it received three 2008 awards for the Metro from the Metro New York Geocaching Society, Best Themed Cache, Nicest Scenery, which you can understand that just by looking at the pictures, <laughs> Best Hike, <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a hike, Certainly. and uh, yeah. Sydney can tell you, yeah. And most humbling of all, cash of the year. Um, so uh, you you were you were you were also um, geocache of the uh, what do you call that? Geocache of the month. Yeah, uh, ground speed pick. Cash of the week. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So. Um, yeah, that was in February of 2015. Uh, you were named Cash of the Week by um, geocaching.com, which is awesome. Yeah. So uh, we will put the blog entry uh, in the show notes so you can go look for it. But if you want to go to the geocaching blog and search for the Central Park uh, and you'll find it. So... Um, so... 
you 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 did all the work, you get it all done, and one of the things you mentioned, and we we're trying to figure out where the quote came from because I I put a quote in the book, but you wrote you wrote this, and then uh, you said when when you publish a cash, you're kind of asking people to trust you with their time. And if your cash takes several hours, it just felt like a lot of responsibility. I was mostly hoping that when people go to the end, they wouldn't feel irritated about all the time they invested writing down numbers and making calculations and otherwise jumping through all the hoops. They've been jumped through all day. Then after it was published and the logs finally started coming in, a tremendous sense of relief. So what was the experience of that? You like you publish it. You're like, okay. Is somebody going to find this thing or what? So, Yeah, I mean, it it took a long time to, to plan out and to publish. I mean, it was it was sort of months. And, and I was concerned about how long it, it was going to take people. Um, it, I, I did three dry runs before we finally pushed the publish button. And each one took me between like four and a half and six hours. And that was knowing where everything was. So anyone who was looking for the cache that, you know, was actually hunting for the different things, presumably it might take them even a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted it to be a situation that at the end of it, I, I didn't want people to feel like they had done six hours of busy work. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to sort of feel like they'd actually had like a nice day at the park or if they split it up a nice couple of days. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was a little bit worried about it. I wasn't sure exactly how it would be received, but it seems like people have enjoyed it. And I think that most of that, most of that credit goes to the park itself. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like kind of pointed people to a few different places to go see, but you know, if there wasn't something to see there, there wouldn't have been anything to write about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I guess we should point out is that there's not a container at all 32. You're just finding the coordinates, oh, yeah. correct? Yeah, no, that's right. At each, at each of the 32 stages, you're you're just looking for some information. It sort of brings you to a bridge. The cast description has a little bit of a story about how that bridge came to be or what the history of it is. Um, right. Then there's some directions to find, you know, the a number right. somewhere around the bridge. Um, but yeah, there's no physical containers. In fact, that was the first thing that the uh, um, that the grounds freak uh, uh, reviewer, you know, pointed out when I first submitted the cache is is uh, they were like. Are are you going to be able to maintain thirty two? You know, <laughs> plus final. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. About it. There's this nothing uh, physical. There's only one physical container, and it's at the very end. So, um, uh, cool. Um, yeah. Good. Oh, I was just going to say that the the other thing that was in designing a cache. Uh, one of the things that took a lot, a little bit of time at the beginning was making sure that each of the stages had uh, two independent ways to get the same number. Um, oh, interesting. Because I wanted there to be, it was for two reasons. One, I wanted people to, if 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 part of the bridge was maybe blocked off for construction or something, I wanted people to have a natural second way to get that information, um, so that you know, I mean, if just one random thing happened in one of the thirty-two stages, they wouldn't be dead in the water. Right. Um, and I also wanted to give people a way to just do a natural error check, so that if they they go write down the number off the sign and it's a two, but maybe they wrote down a three by mistake. Then when they go get the error check number, if they mm-hmm. see that that one is a two and it doesn't match with what they wrote down for the other one, then they've got an opportunity to go back and, and make sure that they've got the right number written down. So uh, the error checks really cut down, I think, a lot of the problems that people might otherwise have, because that's a lot of data. And the chance that you're going to write down every single number exactly right every single time is there's some chance that something goes wrong, but having a chance to, to back up each number, uh, mm-hmm. cut that down a lot. So, no, that's a, that's a great, that's a, that's a great, you really thought through that really well, Brett. Um, okay. So, um, go back to Sydney. So in just in, in overall, what was, what was your thought and planning and experience just because had you been, you'd been to New York city before, right? I mean, I had been, but I hadn't been to Central Park before. Okay, so you're coming in sort of fresh in that sense. But uh, what was what 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 was the experience of going through all these parts of Central Park? Was it uh, what was the what was your what was this the experience of doing all that? And what was, what was your thoughts about? Because you'd been caching for a while before you did this one, right? Less than a year. Okay, less than a year. Like six so. months or so, I think. Okay. So it was like a, 
I think the biggest undertaking I ever took in my first year of caching or so. Um, <laughs> thinking you- about it now, I would have done it totally different. Um, I didn't bring pen and paper, so I was keeping track of all the numbers on my phone. And uh, I wasn't like writing down which waypoints I had done. So I was kind of just guessing like, okay, did we, we went over here, right? We got this one just like looking at the map. So if you are going to do it, I would suggest actually bringing like maybe a printout of the map so you could like cross them off as you do them and make sure you bring a pen and paper to write down the numbers and do the math at the end. Um, but it was just, Central Park is so, it's so crazy and yet so like, peaceful at the same time because i mean it's this giant park and some people really don't realize how big central park is right it's like you can't even see the buildings around you most of the time when you're in the park which is really amazing and there's like horse and buggies going around so it's got this kind of old-timey feel and there's a lot of cool cool architecture and stuff outside of the bridges and everything too Mm -hmm. Um, So that was something like really surreal feeling like you're in this giant city and yet you don't feel like you're in a huge city with millions of people living there. Right. Because you kind of get in the middle of Central Park and you're like, it's like you said, it's kind of holy. I mean, Brett, is there, I mean, there's like, there's a zoo and there's a whole zoo in Central Park. There's a, there's fairly large lakes in Central Park. Yeah. There's a bunch of different bodies of water. There's a zoo. Uh, there's a carousel uh there's uh an ice rink um mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff going on there the the something else that's interesting the the north half of the park is actually very different from the southern half of the park the southern half of the park is very uh touristy and pretty dense with people that are kind of walking around the northern half of the park is much uh much more sort of seemingly wild Um, it's not, I mean, the whole park is landscape, so none of it is like old growth forest or anything, but, uh, it's definitely more foresty in the North, Mm -hmm. um, and much more like you, you really could be up there and not have any idea that you're in a city. Um, so it's, it's a pretty different feel. The first, the way that we've laid out the waypoints, the first, um, the first part of it takes people through the North part of the park, um, which is a little bit slower going and it's kind of a nicer walk, especially if it's your first experience in Central Park. Um, and then as the day goes on, you start working your way south and the waypoints get closer together and you start, um, you know, kind of finishing it up a lot more quickly. So. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was, uh, that was what I was kind of wondering is, uh, you kind of go ahead and lay it out for cashers. <clears throat> you kind of <clears throat> suggest that they kind of do them in the order that you've put them on the, 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 the cash description. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's for a couple, it was a couple of reasons. One, I just figured me having a little bit more experience with the park, I'd probably be able to lay out a path that's the most efficient, um, to, you know, keep it to 12 miles instead of 16 or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and then on top of that, we tried to start people in the North and have them work their way South because, um, it, the cash does take a long time. If you try to bang it out all one day, it can be six hours or so. And if Mm. you're, if you're also trying to clear the park of other caches, uh, you know, that can go to eight or nine hours. So the northern part of the park is more isolated and it's it's at night, it's darker and not, you know, quite as, I don't want to say it's unsafe, it's just a little spookier. Okay. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, to lay it out so that as the day goes on, if someone is going to get caught as the sun sets, that they're mm-hmm. sort of in the southern part of the park that has a lot more artificial lighting and a lot more people, people. around. Yeah, that's great. So that's idea. how we. That's why we kind of tried to start people from the north and had them work their way south. Right. That may, that's 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 great. Great thought on that. Um, so, so, on the, um, without, <laughs> we can give away the final, but let's talk a little bit about the final. Sure. Um, and again, if I step on something, don't don't answer. <laughs> is it is it fairly large on the final or can do can we talk about the size yeah, i mean talk about it. yeah it's um it is a it's an old school like from like 10 years ago uh ground speak fake rock okay it's it's bigger than the ones that they sell now it's actually got enough room in there for a couple of travel bugs and things like that okay um, it's one of the only kinds of containers that, um, has much of a shot of escaping, uh, kind of routine park maintenance. 
Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. At a glance, it does look like a rock, as opposed to a Tupperware container or something sure. else, or whatever. That was smart. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. I I had actually I had gone with the initially it was a fake log, um, but we had we had some trouble with the location that we had. So uh, when we when we moved the final, when we nudged the final over, you know, a mm-hmm. few hundred feet. Uh, we changed the container and, and it's been it's been basically the same container ever since okay very cool um now at, um at what point did you decide that you wanted to do a coin for this uh that was pretty early i think once i realized how long the cash was going to take mm-hmm. um that's about when i thought that you know maybe there's something that we should do to to sort of commemorate or reciprocate the amount of time that people basically donated to to this cash and kind of trusted us with their time and so um i was also thinking that it 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 might be a way because it is such a big time investment that that at the time i was thinking that might be one of the only ways i can get anyone to do the cash is if i I, you know basically bribe them yeah Um, it, you know, in hindsight, I now recognize that, you know, that although I think people do dig the coin, I don't think that there's a long list of people that wouldn't have done it if not for the coin. Um, I think the coin has been nice, but I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the driving okay. force behind why people have enjoyed the cash. Um, but that is I mean, I was thinking it's like, you know, maybe it would be a nice memento. It's 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 you know, it's a little something in exchange for, you know, half a day of your life. Um, so, you know, I talked to my brother about it. My brother's very artistic. He's much more talented and skilled as far as that stuff goes. And so I, I sketched out the general idea of what I wanted. And he came back with this really amazing design. And we got some coins printed up. And uh, yeah, they've been, you know, I try to run out there about once a week with my son and we restock it with coins. And we've never had a problem with people stealing them. We've never had a problem oh, wow. with going back and taking them. Because, I mean, like you said, like a thousand people have found it. Yeah. Uh, I've never had an issue with anyone going back and clearing it out or anything. Everyone's been super cool. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't that's something I'd never thought about. I figured you mailed them to people, but I do you, sometimes. I, or I, if, I, people, I, if people have to, like if they're not in town or something, they'll send you a note and say, I, I had to leave. Okay. Well, that's cool. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it works out. I still do mail them occasionally because sometimes you know, if the cash runs out, if it's a busy week and I don't get there, Mm-hmm. you know, in time to restock and sometimes I mail it out. And I, I actually ran out of coins entirely a few weeks ago. And so I've got some on back order. So everyone who's found the cash for the last couple of months, you know, I've got to know, I've been exchanging emails with them and I get their address and I'll, as soon as they arrive, I'll, I'll pop them back out in the mail. Okay. Very cool. So. Did, now, Sydney, when you did the, when you did this, <laughs> did you, a know anything about geo coins at the time and b did you have any idea did you or were you did you have yours mailed to you or did you actually find a coin in the cash right so i think i i knew about geo coins but i wasn't like big and i didn't have a huge collection of them at that time like i do now um but that i was excited to see that you know i was gonna get something pretty nifty out of finding this cash and uh Actually, when I found it, they were they, the cash was out. They didn't have any, oh, and okay. uh, mm-hmm. I was I was emailing back and forth with Brett, and he was saying, "I'm going out there tomorrow. Are you still going to be in town?" And I said, "I don't know or not." So we ended up, you know, leaving town before he got out there. So he was nice enough to mail our coins out to us. That's cool. I try back. to make sure that they're in there because it's mm-hmm. just so much more cinematic. Yeah, the one actually have it be there. Like it's just more satisfying. Like I could mail it and you would still get it, and that's great. But it's it's kind of more fun. You've been doing it all day long. It's kind of more fun to open it at the end and actually have the thing in there. So I I, I try to get them out there. I just I just don't always win the race. That's okay though. That's pretty cool. Um, so like right now or let's say well even right now because we've we've had people let's go let me take a quick look um because it's a good question um i think we had somebody find it get to the end of the page okay last person to find it was uh back in end of june so not too long ago um so as far as the um 
the different arches, how, how often have you had somebody mention to you, it's like, this thing's shut down as far as I can't get anywhere anywhere near this, this particular arch or this particular bridge. Does that happen often, or is it, even though you've put the two, you know, you've got your fail-safe in place, is there times when you flat out, there's no way you can ever finish this kind of thing, and you have to come back, people come back and do it later kind of thing, or... So yeah, that happens. That's a great question. Um, that happens. I do try to pick the, you know, an error check that's at least some way, you know, independent of the other variable. Like I don't, I don't try to have the error check be on the same, you know, license tag. Right. Um, I don't gotcha. think the first digit or the last digit because, you know, then you've got some correlation risk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it does happen. There are times when you can't get anywhere near it because the entire area has been closed off for construction or something. Um, so there's a couple things about that. One, it's very, very helpful when people email me that stuff, um, because then I can, you know, sort of take steps to sort of correct it. I can't go, I don't necessarily, I can't go out and like pick another variable, but what I can do when I've done in the past is edited the cache page to say, Hey, it looks like this bridge is out of commission for the next six months. So in the meantime, you know, this variable equals five and it's okay. just a free, right. You just get it. Um, right. the other thing is that, um, you know, if people, if people get in touch with me and there's a problem like that, have any problems just writing back and saying, okay, that, that one is this, like, you can't get there. That's fine. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that equals six. Right. That's right. I've cool. never had a problem or suspicion that anyone's, you know, hacking the cash by, you know, getting free answers or anything. I generally trust that people are, you know, putting the work in. If right. people get in touch with me ahead of time, if someone knows that they're going to go get this cash ahead of time, they know that they're going to come up, you know, it's, it's Monday and they know that they're going to be there on the weekend and they're going to give it a shot. I yeah. would encourage them to get in touch with me because I will, I will then uh, send you my cell phone number. And if there is a problem in the field, you can text me and I'll text you back, you know, whatever the issue is. Um, that actually also comes in handy too. If when people have finished the cash, it's not uncommon for people to get one wrong but they don't know which one it is. Um, <laughs> all they know is that the number's just coming out wrong. And the idea of going back and having to check each of 32 stages is the kind of thing at the end of a long day you might imagine would make you a little teary-eyed. So um, I just tell people, hey, if that ever happens to you, you know, text me your list or take a photo of what you've written down. I carry a card in my wallet that has all the variables on it. So Ooh. it just takes me two seconds wherever I am. I can just pop it out and I can look and say, oh, you know, it's this one. You had three. It's actually four. I think mm -hmm. that's your only problem. Right. Sydney? So, so get in touch with me. You know you're going to do it. Get in touch with me ahead of time. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Um, go ahead, Sydney. I got some other questions, but I've, I've, been, I've been hogging this whole thing. So I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, funny I'm gonna... that he said that because that was totally me. Like we got to, it was like the end of the day on Saturday and um, I was like, okay, we got them all and I'm sitting there and doing the math on my little scrap of paper and I was like, it's just not working out. I'm so frustrated. I don't want to go back and look at all these bridges again. I'm so sick of walking. And so we, I, I had emailed Brett and said, I, I have no idea which one is wrong. Can you please help me? And mm -hmm. we took a break. We got some dinner nearby and then he emailed me back and I was like, okay. Oh, I got it. This is so, <laughs> I was so thankful. And uh, we ran over there pretty much right away. And so that was, that's incredible. It's really, really helpful because I was not about to go back around to 32 yeah. places in the park. And, yeah, and, and, and Glenn's still with you, Sydney. That's, a, that's, a, yeah, I know. Thing. It's amazing, that's, isn't it? That's, a, that's amazing in itself. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I wonder if, if I wonder if I hadn't sent those numbers over, how things would be different hmm. today. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'm would not sure what I would have done. Would she still be geocaching, and then would she be invited to be a co-host on Geocache Talk, and would she? I mean, the, the, the whole in an alternate world, universe. In an alternate universe, she's uh, yeah. She, all she's doing is Pokemon Go, and she's not. She's on some other show. I'm so. still in Central Park. Yeah, trying to figure out the answer. She's still there, <laughs> lost and dazed and confused. Well, um, one thing also that's I've found 
uh, interesting, and I'm sure, Brett, you, you find this interesting, uh, is to go back and read some of the – because the, the cash logs um, – well, number one is since the container is not of a – you know, it's not like Project Ape or something where people can write books of information when they, when they go to – the one in, I'm thinking about the one in, in uh, Brazil. But people have spent a good amount of time writing – cash logs on the on your on the page and um it's interesting and i'm sure you found some really cool ones uh, of people writing really kind of cool cash logs about their experience uh on the on the cash page yeah the logs have been great the logs are just super fun to go through and read and um you know there have been there have been times when uh, people have cashed as a pair um, and, and they've said like, gosh, you know, there's, there's, you know, two of us are, you, you know, it's like, I, we don't, are you sure you want to send two coins? Like that seems like a lot. And my response is, has always been like, look, if you guys like are legit loving the cash and you leave two logs, I don't really have a problem with it. It's, you know, cause like for me reading that people enjoyed it, it's kind of satisfying and it's it's you know there's there's a the coin that's left in the in the cash container is actually mm-hmm. it's not a trackable coin it's it's a geo coin but it's it's yeah. not trackable um but anyone who finds the cash can get trackable versions of the same coin if they make donations to the central park conservancy oh very so, cool Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tell, you know, it's, and anyone who reaches out, there's a little note on the coin that says, if you're interested in this, just let me know. And anyone who reaches out, I, I sort of explain to them, you know, sort of how it works. So I was like, I don't ask for proof. I just say like, if you found the cash and you tell me you donated to the Central Park Conservancy, just let me know and I'll send a couple of coins out to you. Mm-hmm. So over time, the people who've done that, like it's raised a lot of money for the park. That's um, like awesome. Thousands of dollars over the years. Um, and so the logs, are a kind of advertisement to get people like people look at it and they read these logs and they think, Oh, that cash looks like it's enjoyable. It looks like people are having a good time. Maybe that's a cash I'll do too. And if they do it and they enjoy it and they decide that they want to get a trackable version of the coin, then that's more money for the conservancy and it kind of keeps up the park and the whole thing just kind of winds up working out. So. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's neat to go through. I mean, uh, you know, people, a lot of people are making this as I'm kind of looking through different ones uh, and something we, we all kind of uh, have, which is if there's a cache that we want to find and it's a quality like this or it's an experience that we want to have, that they're making it their 2000th or whatever, you know, cache milestone that they're wanting to do, uh, you know, they're kind of making this sort of a, uh, you know, a destination cash, which I think is, which I think is wonderful. Um, and being, and being New York city, are you finding that, um, you've got, uh, from what I can tell, I mean, from just, you go through them, you can see a lot of international people are finding this because again, people travel, you know, people are, people travel New York city from all over the world. And so, um, you know, one that was recent was there somebody was in from New Zealand and came all the way in. Yeah, so, yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a tough cash. I'm always super impressed and you know kind of uh, you know honored by people who are visiting from overseas and choose this to be one of the caches that they do because I can't imagine they're here for that long, and this is a cache that takes most of a day. Right. So you know, you're putting a lot of other things, a lot of other great things in the city on hold uh, to just go do this one thing and to get this one smiley. And so, uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. And, you know, and I'm usually, you know, pretty touched by the logs that people leave. And, and it seems like, you know, it seems like they've enjoyed themselves and whatever the opportunity cost of their time was, whatever Broadway show they didn't get to see, I'm hoping that it wound up being worth it. So. Right. That's awesome. Um, now, Something we we uh, let people know. We, we kind of talked about because um, Brett's got some other cool stuff that we want to talk about, um, especially some puzzle caches that you've worked with. Child of Adam, if you're yeah. familiar with. Where's my book? It's around here somewhere. I got the book. I got the book. I can't. It's not within reach, but you, yeah, the How to Puzzle Cache book by Cully Long um, is uh, really cool, and um, we're going to for time 
purposes. We're going to keep all that. And Brett, if you would, would you be willing to come back on the show at some time a little bit down the road and we can talk about uh, your puzzle caches in the area as well? Yeah, I'd love to. I think that'd be great. I'd love to. I could talk for an hour about puzzle caching. So (laughs) please don't work with your format. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Well, that fits perfectly into our one hour show for another <laughs> d- another day. So we're going to keep that. And uh, so everybody, um, you know, uh, you know, s- stay tuned in the future. Uh, we're going to get uh, Brett scheduled, um, hopefully before the end of the year. I w- I'd like to have you on again. And we, could, we talk about because puzzle caches are also. Uh, we have, we have, uh, we, we have a mix you know, people are big fans of puzzle caches. Some people, not so much. I try, I, I try to do some, I'm not as good. And I, I, I struggle with it. Sydney's an expert. So no, she's shaking her head. <laughs> hey, no, Jose. no way. But I think I could speak for her too. Well, she can speak for herself, but I find them kind of fascinating when they're done really well. I agree. I think that's important. I think that a good puzzle cache is, uh, you know, almost artistic. I think mm-hmm. if it's if it's got like an elegance to it, right, um, that can make an enjoyable experience. I, you know, without going into too much, you know, of a of a of a line about it, I I think that, you know, as long as a puzzle is not being made difficult just for the point of making it difficult, I think right. it can be a pretty good experience. Right. Right. Oh, that's that's really good. And uh, yeah, that'll be fascinating to hear about uh, your your puzzle caches. But um, just wrapping this up, I mean, it's um, I, I, you know, I, I really appreciate what you've done with this cache. I know a lot of people uh, I speak for are, are just really appreciative of what you've done to create something cool gives people uh, like you said, um, although Sydney was frustrated by it. Uh, overall, Sydney, do you have a good time doing this? Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I just went back and found my log, and oh. I'm just rereading it. Yeah, and, look, uh, read it, please, please, please give us, please. Uh, <laughs> it's it's story time with Shermanator. 18. Okay, go ahead. It's okay. It's I funny that I actually found this on my birthday, so that mm. was an interesting point that I kind of forgot. But it says, um, "Well, what an adventure." Um, McDugans, which is my boyfriend, and I came to New York City uh, for the weekend to celebrate my birthday. And uh, this cache was high on our list. We started yesterday by getting the northernmost bridges and arches, as mm-hmm. Brett recommends. Uh, we visited the 9-11 Memorial Museum and then headed back to Central Park. Uh, finding all 32 of these bridges and arches really put a strain on us, both <laughs> mentally and physically. Awesome. My feet might just fall off after this. <laughs> A very well-designed and set-up cache. Thanks for the history lesson and a big thanks for all the help with verifying our answers. If I could give you five favorite points, I definitely would. That's awesome. Very good. Um, All right. So final thoughts from you two on on Bridges and Arches. Uh, Uh, Yeah. I mean, if I I could uh, throw out some advice. For people yeah. who want to tackle this, oh, absolutely. Say, um, if you're in town for more than a day, consider breaking it up, uh, because I think a, a it, it can be done in a day, but by the end of it, most people it's about six hours, and it can be pretty exhausting. And sometimes it's it's almost, you know, so fatiguing at that point that uh, the people aren't, you know, maybe as as well off as they would be if they kind of did three hours on a Saturday and three hours on a Sunday and kind of wrapped it up like that. So if you have the luxury of having the extra time, I would suggest breaking it up. Um, bring water. Um, uh, use the error checks. Uh, it takes an extra minute or two per waypoint, but I think mm-hmm. it's totally worth it in the long run because the chances that you'll get something wrong is going to be a lot lower. And, uh, and if you know ahead of time you're going to come out and do it, uh, get in touch with me. Um, and give me a chance to, you know, make a connection with you through email so I can give you my cell number. And then if there's a problem from the field, you can text me and we can hopefully get it wrapped up without you, you know, having to go back home without connecting on the final. Yeah. One thing we've, we kind of messed up, we should tell people at the beginning, uh, but they're going to hear it at the end, which is the GC code is, is 17 MX one. So it's pretty easy to remember 17 MX one is the GC code. Um, we should mention that at the beginning, but that's okay. People can look it up. They're geocachers. Let them hunt for it. 
Right. <laughs> you showed it on the map. Yeah, there you go. That's Jeez. good enough. Yeah, there you go. But uh, and then um, your, your GC uh, handle is Addison Br. B is in yep. bl- like Brett, like Br. So um, you got it. And so um, you know, look for look for his. Uh, you know, if you want to, you know, if you're in the area, you want to do some puzzle caches before we have him on again. You know, to go for it or wait till after the show. And uh, so, um, Sydney, what are your some of your last thoughts on this? Mm. I caught you a good time. You caught me right as I was drinking some water. See, uh, I caught you. Gotcha. Yeah. I definitely agree with what Brett said that if you know you're going to go, definitely break it up into two days, two or three days. Um, That's what we did. We split it up and we did some other sightseeing things in the city as well, but we were still really tired after those two days. Um, And we didn't really plan it out very well either. So I would, as I said earlier, definitely bring maybe a printout of your of your map with all your waypoints and a sheet to write everything down. And it's just a really great adventure. Like I said, you don't feel like you're in such a big city when you're in Central Park. It's just really crazy to think about. That's awesome. Thank you. Very cool. Um, well, um, <clears throat> coming up on the show uh, next week, we're going to have on uh, Nick Hubbard, our buddy from Cashley. We're going to talk about the Cashley Update 3.0 uh, and all that that entailed and what we're now getting on our new updates for that. Uh, week after that, we're going to do a show called about inner caches and mob caches with a uh, person, Chilihead. Sydney, I don't know. Uh, tell us real briefly about. Cause you know, do you know Chilihead, or you know who Chilihead I do. is? Yeah, okay. he's from Rochester, um, and he developed uh, basically a website that you connect to on your phone that recognizes your GPS location, and he has a couple different ways of doing that to make these special geocaches. Right. Very cool. Um, so we're gonna have him on in a couple weeks, and then in three weeks we're gonna have on. Some guy, Chris of the Northwest. I don't know if anybody's familiar with him. He's on some other show somewhere. I don't know what show he's on. But anyway, no, I'm Doesn't kidding. Doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. Chris Umfenauer will be on the show. We're going to talk about some can't, can't miss caches up in the Northwest. Obviously, he's up there. But uh, And um, shameless plug for Geo Gearheads and for Caching in the Northwest, the two shows he's on. So anyway, so Chris will be on in three weeks. Um, so well, that's it, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Please email us your comments at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at geocachetalk or at Gary Slinkard, one word, or for Jesse, who's uh, not with us tonight, but with us in spirit, is uh, his is at Memphis underscore Mafia. Sydney's is at Shermanator GC. And Facebook at facebook.com slash geocache talk. Show can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, well as the Geocache Talk website. Don't forget to click the subscribe button below so that you can see and hear the show on a weekly basis. Until next week, don't just talk about geocaching. Experience probably the greatest multicache you'll ever experience. <laughs> and I'm serious. This is incredible. Go to New York City and go to this multi- and go do this multicache. Plan ahead, like they said, but plan ahead and then go geocaching. Good night, everybody. Good night.